1: Day 79 of the offensive coordinator search uh, is underway, and it seems like there's really no end in sight. We're going to get into that and the latest with Iowa basketball. David Eichel, Sean Bach, HawkeyeInsider.com, part of the 24-7 Sports Network. Uh, it's public knowledge now, uh, but you know, over the last couple of days, we've been reporting the latest with the offensive coordinator search. I know there was a lot of people excited about the UNLV offensive coordinator, Brennan Marion, there's you know, a lot of message board rumblings and people talking about that. I talked to some people. Let's clarify it now. <laughs> Kirk didn't even know who that was, so I don't know where that rumor started. Uh, and then, of course, the real big <coughs> juicy bit, which is the new development, Sean, is that Paul Christ, uh has declined to take the Iowa offensive coordinator job. It was offered to him. They zeroed in on him. And for a variety of reasons, it just did not end up working out. Uh, So Iowa is in contact with another three or four people right now. Uh, And from talking to people, I know I put this on our message board a couple weeks ago, but it does not sound like Joe Philbin is going to be uh, the next Iowa offensive coordinator, barring a change. Uh, So Sean, let's just dive right into it. I mean, we're still, we're still kind of going through this process and trying to get information, but there's no doubt that even though Kirk's timeline was pretty extended more than any other school in the country I don't think this is on Kirk Ferentz's timetable anymore I think he would have thought they had somebody in place by now
0: yeah I mean it seemed what was it I think it was the second or third week of January is kind of when Kirk envisioned that this would come to be or there'd be someone in place and you know we just started the the second week of January and you know, no one's, no one's there. And, you know, it's, I mean, I get the frustration. I get the why people are upset about why this is taking so long, but I also think you have to look at some of the things that are at hand here. If this was last off season, then I think you really have to, then you would have had to have someone by now. If not, if, say Brian Farrings got fired mid season, you would probably have to have someone in place by December, at least before the portal open this year. That's not the case because you are not active in the transfer portal on the offensive side of football. I mean, you would like to be, but also remember that there's another window coming up after spring ball and the scholarship situation is pretty tight right now. So you don't have to have someone in place, but you would like to have someone in place by January. So. I think it's okay right now that there is nothing in place. Like, I get it. I get the frustration. I get that it's taken so long. And obviously, it seemed like Paul Chris was kind of the top guy for some time, and that ended up not working out. But I think one thing, too, that you have to remember with this is, like, yes, I was a pretty good job, but – it's not a super attractive job to some people considering yep. what the offense has been the last couple of years. And, you know, that makes it hard to hire someone. And I mean, this is a big hire too for KF. It's not like he's going to go and, you know, get someone after two or three days because this is probably going to be his last like big hire at Iowa, assuming that this offense coordinator sticks around for the next couple of years. And, you know, how does he want to do that? Does he want to have the OC coach wide receivers? Does he want to hire someone who could potentially be the next head coach? Like if that, if it works out that way, you know, I don't know exactly what he's thinking, but this is a big hire. And with the coaching changes too, like there is so much movement that can happen. I mean, look at Alabama, like that to most people that came out of nowhere, but Alabama kind of knew it was happening. That's also a different situation because with the transfer portal window being open, you had guys leaving Iowa, you have Deontay Vines leaving on offense and a couple guys getting drafted. Or a couple guys, you know, out of eligibility. So you're not really, mm-hmm. you know, worried about your whole roster being flipped or your whole roster being poached. And you know, At Alabama, that was a completely different case. So I understand your tweet that you had the other day about it. Like, I get the frustration everything. But I also think it's a little bit of a different scenario when you consider what could have, you know, potentially happened or what happened at Alabama with, you know, because that roster is so talented and there's, you know, just prime poaching right there. Yeah. At Iowa, you're not really getting that. So you can afford to take a little bit longer than you need to. Granted, I understand, like, people just want to know at this point. And so does the staff. Iowa wants to know, too.
1: Yeah. And, you know, here's the thing, too. And I, I put this on our message board because, obviously, that tweet, first of all, I didn't think it, much of it. It got a lot more attention than I thought it was going to get. The reality what I tried to say was, like, those schools, though, had a plan. And they followed through with the plan. Yes, there's more urgency. But it feels like Iowa at this point is just dragging its feet. I mean, all the names that we know about Sean are either declined the job or no longer in consideration, right? So my, my whole point was all of these different schools at least had a plan if something had happened. Like, it just doesn't seem like right now Iowa is at that level. The other bit of news too, Sean, and this might go along with the plan, by the way, uh, Kelvin Copeland no longer with Iowa. Uh, I, I do think that goes hand in hand with the offensive coordinator. I do think whoever the next offensive coordinator – Is should have a uh, a say in the next wide receiver coach. I think it makes a lot of sense. Uh, But you know, the the Kellen Copeland, you know, no longer being part of the program, this really isn't a surprise. I think you and I have speculated for the past couple of years that this is going to happen. I think we'd heard through the you know through the grapevine that he'd kind of been looking for a way out. And I think that just given everything that's happened, it makes a lot of sense. I liked Kellen Copeland. I thought he's a good recruiter. I think he's a really good guy. I've enjoyed talking to him. Uh, But there's no doubt after what's been happening with Iowa, Sean, like there had to be multiple staff changes in my opinion.
0: Yeah, no, I I agree with you. And you look at – I mean, it's not all Kellen Copeland's fault. He's kind of put into a rough spot with the offensive struggles and the type of talent that Iowa has had at the quarterback position over the last couple years. But it just never seemed like – it just kind of seemed like the peak already passed. And he wasn't the one, if I recall correctly, this was before me, that brought over Amir Smith-Marset and Brandon Smith, arguably the two of the most electric wide receivers that, you know, have played in the last, I don't know, already six or seven years. Um, And just things weren't working. I mean, after that 2019 season, it's kind of all gone downhill in terms of wide receiver production. Yes, Iowa has had three tight ends that have been drafted in the first two rounds of the NFL draft, but the wide receiver production, I mean, you can look at the quarterback position, how that has really, you know, not helped it. Um, he's landed some good recruits. I mean, I'll give him that he is, he's a good recruiter. He had that 2023 class that seems to have a lot of promise. I mean, he got Caleb Brown, um, played a big role in that. Jacob Bostic's a really promising name. um, couple other guys but in that 2021 class obviously but we know how that's kind of panned out and you know that's not totally his fault but obviously it just didn't seem like it was working and it didn't seem like a situation where you know it was going to really benefit anyone if Copeland continued to stay on the staff and you know before before it was announced by or before the news was broke by Pete Thamel that he was going to go in a different direction you know, he had already, there's already been rumblings that he's been talking about going to North Dakota State with Tim Palasek, who is now the head coach in uh, in Fargo. So that'll potentially be a good fit for him up there. But yeah, I mean, with, with, it makes sense of with the, the new offensive quarter that he's going to want to bring in a guy, you know, maybe even potentially hit the offensive coordinator, coach the wide receivers. Like that's not out of the question. But, I think it's, mm-hmm. you know, a possibility that, you know, it he it's one of his guys that can come in and you know, it's it's a tough job. I mean, Iowa has not had the best track record of wide receivers in the last couple of years. I mean, yeah, there was a promising there was a promising stretch after that twenty nineteen holiday bowl where uh Amir Smith Marset, Tyrone Tracy, Brandon Smith, those guys, you know, really had probably one of their best games as Hawkeyes. And then you go to that twenty twenty-one season too with Keegan Johnson, Arlen Bruce showing a lot of promises, true freshman. And you then since happened, just,
1: obviously with everything going on. I mean, yeah, like, like you said, they've had talent. They just don't it's just not been utilized properly. And Iowa doesn't prioritize getting the ball on the perimeter. I mean, maybe Caleb Brown sparks some things, maybe the new offensive coordinator sparks some things, maybe a wide receiver coach comes in and sparks some things but i think that's been frustrating fans as far as the offense goes like especially when they look around the country and they see how all these wide receivers are being used right they're they're creative they're innovative the route trees are different like iowa's route trees are probably some of the biggest problems in my opinion the routes aren't good they're so simple and they don't create separation and i think that's you know we watching some of the tape from this past season sean it was as bad as i've I've seen it, quite frankly. And it goes back to the offense coordinator. And this is something I kind of want to gauge your opinion on. I know we've talked about this at length, but could one of the holdups about this job be because Kirk's not going to keep his hands off the offense? He's not going to trust a guy like he trusts Phil Parker to run his defense. Will Kirk be stubborn and dig his heels down about how his style of offense works? Or is he going to be open to interpretation when the new offensive coordinator comes in because if he wants somebody to come into Iowa and run his system, the offensive coordinator is not going to take the job. They're not going to take the job because it's a death trap right now.
0: Yeah. I mean, like I said, it's, it's, it's a tough situation. It's going to be under a microscope this year. Um, I think a lot of people from an outsider perspective are going to be, that's going to be the main thing. Like, I mean, it's, it's Kirk Ferentz's, like, last big hire, it feels like, as a head coach in Iowa. Because yeah. when Kirk steps down, then Phil Parker is probably going to step down. Like, you know, it doesn't really feel like you ever have to worry about Phil Parker going anywhere else. But offense being what has held this team back the last couple of years, this is going to be really important. And this is going to be, you know, whoever gets hired in this position is going to be either pegged as the savior or people are going to say, well, it's going give me the same exact thing. And, you know, perception is obviously a, diff- a totally different thing when it comes to fans first, you know, those inside the program, the players and all that, and I totally understand that. But that's just what it's going to be because, you know, you could have sold a lot of people on having Paul Chris as the next offensive coordinator at Iowa. I think a lot of people, at least you know, based on our message board and based on Twitter, would have said that would have been a fantastic hire. Um, yep. But there's some other names that you know potentially could be out there that I think would be really good hires too. And you know, there there's going to be a perception either way. Like, and I know I was one to not really care about what the outside noise is. Like, they're probably the pinnacle of that. I don't know, man. I just kind of, like, talked for the last minute. I don't know where I was really going with that point.
1: (laughs) Like I said, I mean, the crazy part is I think it just goes back down to this. Like, I don't want to say Iowa's botched it because they haven't hired anybody. But the reality is if you don't land a top contender or an immediate impact guy and you take 80 to 90 days and you land a no-name that doesn't excite people, it's a botched hire and it's a failure. That's where I, I mean, that's what you I can't, basically you can't, come down to it
0: though. My thing is you can't say it's a botch a botched hire, a botch failure based on perception. You can say it's a botch failure, botched whatever, like if on the field. Like you have to give it a year. Like I No, you I have, yo, I agree. Yeah, 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 yeah. But you can't but people can't say like I I get it, like some of these hires that happen in the NFL or like some of these hires that happen in college. I understand why people are pissed at it, but it's like, yeah, like even someone like Joe Philbin, like I totally understand why people wouldn't be super happy with it because it's like he's not the sexy hire. No. But what if it works for what Ferentz wants to do and like it produces and it, you know, shows at least some sort of upside that the last offensive coordinator at Iowa did not have. I think people need to see what happens when it comes to hiring someone. Like I get the I think people are just –
1: people, people are antsy because no information – no solidified information is coming out and it's taking this long. So it's just pent up angst. That's what it is that's at the end fair. of the day. And I'm with you. Like I, I think for me, it, it can be a botched process, but I want to make sure – you're right and I want to make sure that's clear. If it doesn't produce – then this is an all-around failure. If Iowa takes a jump to be a top 85 to 80 offense next year and is at least competent, then nobody's going to remember this entire hiring process. And that's what it's going to come down to. Like, at this point, Kirk has to nail the hire and the offense has to take a step forward after everything that's happened over the last three months, in my opinion, to kind of sum it up. At this point, again, I know people are pent up. I know people are angry. I know people are antsy. I know, I can't tell them to relax because I get it. I get it, right? But just wait to see where it goes more than anything else. At this point, just hope Kirk makes the right hire and that it works out. Because now it's like it doesn't matter if he's hired today or a week or two from now. Because a lot of the portal has gone. You just kind of got to nail the hire. That's what ultimately comes down to. But again, like it feels like when plan A failed, there was no plan B. There was no plan C. No information's coming out. And I think that's where people, the separation between the fan base and what's going on within the walls of that building, that's just where it separates.
0: Yeah. No, and I get that. I get that. And, you know, we live in a world too now with media where it's like, if you're not getting stuff or you're not getting information or certain information's coming out, you can start drawing conclusions about what's happening. And I get that's frustrating. Yep. But there's a process to all of it. You know, there's certain stuff behind the scenes that doesn't end up work out, working out, you know, certain things that it's I was in a tough position because you don't have a lot going for you in terms of potentially making a sexy OC hire. The last one was fired. It's not like he went to a different job or got promoted to, you know, a different place or, you know, took a better job. He got fired. Iowa's offense. Yep. One of the worst in the Big Ten. One of the worst in the country. Um, In consecutive years, Kirk Ferentz, you know, how long is he going to be around for? Like, you know, there's that factor. And I don't know. It's just not a lot going for Iowa in this case, and you know it's a good, like it's a tough job. Like I wouldn't say it's a bad job; it's a tough job. I think that's Well, if a good it works, your it. career's going through the roof. Exactly, because people are going to look at that and say, "Okay, you know Iowa's offense was dead last in FBS over the last couple of years, you know, and you were able to bring this back." And you know if you get support if you get you know the donor support if you get the boosters if you get the athletic department support if you get the president's support, you are going to get what you deserve. And yeah. I mean it's it's like a known thing. Like any anyone just want everyone that covers or everyone that is involved with Iowa football, everyone that wants to watch foul or Iowa football, like this is. This does not feel like the most – I mean, I've only been around the program since – or, like, been around, like, the Iowa, you know, way since 2017, so I don't really know all the way back. But, I mean, since, like, Iowa hiring Kirk, this is probably the most important coaching decision that – Yeah, no doubt. I mean, is
1: it not? It has to be, and I know people might push back a little bit on that, but the reality is when you look at the transfer portal, when you look at NIL, when you look at – 18 teams in the Big Ten. Now when you look at 12-team college football playoff, 100%, this is the biggest hire of Kirk's career. And on top of that too, Sean, this is his legacy hire. Not in terms of it will overshadow everything that he's ever accomplished, but this is how he's going to ride out whenever he calls it quits, right? This is going to mm-hmm. be the hire that he's remembered for and how he ended his tenure. Because I've said it before, and I know I'm not the only one that said it, Iowa's in the golden years of its football program, but it could have been better with the Compton offense. That's just the truth. But, you know, we'll see. I feel like we're just going back and forth with the same points. I know people are frustrated. We're going to continue to try to provide updates where we can. And I'll end it by saying this. I know everybody's tired of it, but I can guarantee them Sean, we are just as tired of it. Like, we would love to have to like take the next step forward and talk about the offense, what it could look like. Then the name, right? How Kate McNamara is going to be utilized? How how Luke Lachey is going to be utilized in this new system or this under this offensive coordinator? Like, we're ready for the next steps, especially when we have to siphon through all these rumors and stuff that never come into fruition. The the media contingency is ready for this to be done too. I'm not asking for them to have sympathy on us, but like. Just believe me when I tell you that we're, we want it to be done too, but we just kind of have to wait for Iowa to go through this process and to find the guy. Um, shift over to basketball.
0: Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-track all wheel drive and three row seating, my whole
1: family can head deep into the wild. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Iowa's ripped off three straight Big Ten wins. Yeah, I know it has not been against the top competition, Sean, but, you know, I kind of drew the analogy about maybe three weeks ago that there's always a stretch in the middle of December where Iowa just looks awful. I mean, think about the Eastern Illinois game last year, right? Uh, they had that close loss. They had a team meeting. They end up bouncing back really started to get red hot. And I'm not saying this Iowa group's going to have that, but I've been very impressed with the way that this group has bounced back because it just seemed like they were disconnected on both ends of the floor uh, for the stretch of, you know, that late, you know, that mid-December stretch. But Owen Freeman is going to win Big Ten Freshman of the Year. He's been spectacular. There's a lot of upside, I think, with this team, and I think they're really starting to understand their role. And it's been very interesting how this team's kind of progressed. And I know people don't want to say it, but I'm going to give a lot of credit to Frank McCaffrey. I think he's really kind of instilled the confidence with this group. I think he's kept the group together, and I think he's tried some different things. That has really started – uh, to work for for the group, and I think you know, starting Owen Freeman, moving Ben Cricky, the fours paid off well. Josh Dix is looking spectacular. I know you tweeted about him last night when you said this is kind of the guy that you saw him, you know, becoming when you were watching him in high school and stuff. But what's been the, kind of the big difference maker for you? Because I could point to a different couple different things, but I'm I'm curious what your take is.
0: Yeah, I mean, Josh Dix, like that's Josh Dix. That is. That is a difference maker for me. And, you know, obviously there's another couple of guys playing well. I mean, Tony Perkins has looked really good as a facilitator and, you know, kind of playing his role, not really being like, obviously being aggressive, but not taking, you know, questionable shots. Yes, he was two of eight from three yesterday um, against Minnesota, but I still thought, or not two of, not, why did I say two of three? Um, (laughs) there were some shots, I think it was the Nebraska game where he was, yeah, two of eight from three against Nebraska and I mean shooting 35% from three in conference play, which is not horrible. I mean, if you take out a Nebraska game, that's what four of, uh, nine from three. So that's just under 50%, which, you know, is pretty good, but to see him really take on that role as a facilitator and, you know, more of a creator rather than okay, I'm gonna try and put my head down and score because ever since that Illinois game last year, however long ago it was, when he had those twenty-five points or you know, thirty yep. points somewhere along those lines, it really feels like he's said a lot for some of these mid range jumpers instead of, you know, going into the lane and, you know, attacking the basket and finishing at the rim because he's a much better finisher around the rim. Now it seems like he's really drawing the defenses and, you know, finding guys and, you know, really looking up on offense as opposed to just like
1: going your head down, driving down. in. Right.
0: Yeah. It seems like he's way more surveying the court. And I think the fit alongside Josh Dix is really nice too, because I mean, people forget that Josh Dix is like six foot five, like, He's a pretty lengthy dude. Like He's not super tall, but he has really good length for the combo guard position and what he can do with his skill set. So having him out there alongside Perkins and being able to shoot the ball the way that he has, like that's a big boost to Iowa because, yes, Iowa only had three three three-pointers against Minnesota, but some of those threes were pretty timely buckets. And having a guy like Josh Dix who can hit the outside shot you put them out there with Peyton Sanford, you have two guys that can really stretch both sides of the floor. So you're not just having mm-hmm. the defense, you know, kind of focus more on one side and not helping off there. But that also opened things up for uh, Owen Freeman and Ben Cricky. We've seen how those guys can kind of work in the high-low game and, you know, have really been functional together. And I think that personally, you mentioned Josh Dix. Obviously, he was uh, put into the starting lineup because of um, – Because Because of Patrick Patrick McCaffrey, yes. But I think that move of going Owen Freeman to the starting lineup was probably the best decision that Fran McCaffrey has made uh, this season in terms of personnel. Like, It reminds me a little bit of – I mean, it's a different scenario, but it's kind of like the Jordan Bohannon going back to the one a couple years ago when Iowa insisted him playing at the two And I think Tony Perkins was put into the starting lineup. I don't remember if it was last year or the year before. Um, And that really, you know, kind of sparked this team and, you know, really took off. But, I mean, kind of just to go back to, I think Dick's putting him in there and having him, you know, do what he can do on offense and not limiting him to, you know, just being a combo guard, but someone who can do – you know, a bevy of things on the court and obviously yeah. his shooting ability really sticks out to me and, you know, his ability to score at three different levels too.
1: And also the Tony Perkins, the starting lineup, I believe that was two years ago. That was when they got red hot in February and I, they won the Big Ten tournament that season because moving Tony Perkins really sparked that, if I remember correctly. And then uh, they went to Buffalo for the NCAA tournament. We don't need to revisit uh, what happened after that. Yeah, man, Owen Freeman. I mean, he's he's getting better and better. I know he fouled out last night. It was a couple very questionable foul calls, in my opinion. Same official called it. Uh, we still finished 12 points, eight rebounds. Ben Cricky was born to play in Frank McCaffrey's offense, Sean. Like, his efficiency has been off the charts. And I think I look back to last night. When Iowa's offense has gone kind of sideways, they always look for Cricky, and he just finds a way to utilize that mid-range And, you know, the thing that really impressed me last night, Sean, and it's something that has happened before, but Iowa did not play well. The first three minutes, they had three turnovers, uh, sloppy turnovers. I got down 10-1, to and then Ben Cricky kind of got them going. And for Iowa to bounce back the way they did and the half as strong as they did, that really impressed me uh, to take that seven-point lead. I know Minnesota's not great, but, again, that's a much better team than they were a year ago without a doubt. Um, And especially, I mean, they got, they got depth on that team, but I was impressed with the way I would just bow bow back. And I think that's been a common theme under frame McCaffrey teams too. They just know they have the offense to kind of get them back into it. And the thing is, I really liked what you said about Tony Perkins. He's become so much more of a facilitator. And on top of that, a willing facilitator, like he gets excited about making those passes. I don't think he, he was that way two years ago or even a year ago. And that's not a shot at him as a player, but he really liked, you know, drawing contact, going to the rim and stuff like that. And he still loves that. But the way he's kind of opened his mind uh, to really kind of embrace that facilitator role, it's been awesome. And, you know, Josh, I know I said Peyton Sanford might be the X factor for this team because I don't think there's any player in the Big Ten that can get as hot as he can quickly and just put up a ridiculous amount of points. I mean, there's probably maybe a couple that you could throw in the conversation, but we've seen Peyton Sanford go on countless like 10-point on, on his own runs within a minute and a half because he gets the ball he's looking to shoot but josh Dix might be the x factor for this team I, I i've kind of started to really think that way because like you said the floor spacing's been invaluable and yeah iowa only had three threes last night but you know what was fantastic to me 56 points in the paint 56 points in the paint that was such just a huge factor again ben crikey owen freeman you know, backdoor cuts. Peyton Sanford had a handful of great cuts last night. Brock Harding looks like he's continuing to progress. I know people want him to get more minutes. I think there's a lot of people that Fran wants to get more minutes for, uh, quite frankly. But the other thing that's impressed me, and one of the things that we've kind of stated, there were some questions about the size of Iowa's team hanging this season from some people. But Iowa's really... Been battling on the class, I think, especially well over the past few weeks. They just they 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 get excited about it. And I know Logie Dembele hasn't been you know where I think people thought he would be, but I think given his rough Big Ten start, I think you need to give a major shout out for what he did last night against Minnesota. Sean, there was that stretch where Cricky was out because he'd been on the court for a while. Uh, Owen Freeman was battling foul trouble. lodgy had like a two minute stretch where he rebounded the, the, like three defensive rebounds. He blocked a shot and he stole a, like stole a ball and for him to kind of embrace that role. I mean, Sean, he was second on the team in rebounds last night with six. So if he can just kind of be that guy that we've heard about in practice, set hard screens, not turn the ball over, rebound the ball well, and be another versatile defender, that's all they're going to need out of him. The offense will come uh, to his game eventually because it just kind of happens when you play under Fran McCaffrey. He's going to find a way to unlock your ability on that end of the floor. But, yeah, man, I'm with you. I think think Josh Dix – I think he's playing with a lot more confidence than he has been. I don't think there's going to be any question that his role is going to significantly increase here in the near future. And on top of that too, and I know he's been given a lot of props like last year and in crucial situations, he had two turnovers last night, but Sean, he's not a guy that turns the ball over. He's very, very in control of his game. He takes good care of the basketball. If there's one thing that frame McCaffrey teams, you know, value, it's not turning the ball over an assist to turnover ratio. And Josh Dix is just again, he's continuing to get better and better.
0: Yeah. No, he uh he has. And you know, he's kind of playing like the player that, you know, many expected him to be when he was getting recruited by Iowa. And that was just a guy that made winning plays and guys that or guy that did, you know, anything necessary. Like he's not going to put 30 points on the board or 35 points like he's capable of it. But he's going to have 17 points, you know, shoot efficiently from the field, you know, get like six or seven rebounds and dish out four or five assists. Like, he's just going to do those little things and also defend well. He's a pretty good defensive player, I think. Um, He's just going to do those things that you need on the basketball court. And, you know, when you need him to hit a shot, he's going to do that. And that's important because Iowa has struggled to shoot consistently from the field this year, especially from the perimeter outside of Peyton Sanford, who um, is shooting above 40% in conference play now. So, yeah, it's uh, having him, having Dix out there has definitely been a big boost for this Iowa team. Now I'm interested to see how Iowa, and he also just fits into the lineup better. I know a couple people have said this on our message board too, but he just seems to fit more naturally into this lineup, into the starting lineup that may be a Patrick McCaffrey. Um, And I think Patrick could really benefit from coming off the bench. I think he could, you know, kind of have more of that scoring mindset, more of like a, this is my role kind of thing. Um, While Dix can kind of continue to do what he does, because I know like the competition hasn't been fantastic, like compared to some of the teams that I was going to be playing here in the next couple weeks, but there are just notable differences on the floor. Yeah, for Iowa when Josh Dix is out there compared to Patrick. Patrick had a good game against Nebraska, but I just think there is more flow with Dix out there as a more primary connector on the court when it comes to passing yeah. the ball and setting guys up. And there just seems to be more rhythm instead of you know just putting the ball in the deck right away.
1: Yeah, and I want to make it clear, too, I'm not disparaging Patrick's game by saying I think he'd benefit from coming off the bench. I think when you look at the flow of this team, I think it makes a lot of sense for him to kind of be that sixth man. And especially if he can come off the bench and be a reliable scorer. Because, Sean, I think something that, you know, this team needs to continue to kind of figure out. Again, I love the freshman class, but outside of Owen Freeman, who's the most reliable, like, reliable bench player right now for scoring the basketball? DeSante Bowen maybe? Maybe Brock, Brock Harding. I mean, Laji Dembele hasn't had pieced it together offensively. Price Sanford's getting spare minutes here and there, and we know he's going to piece it together eventually. Like I watched him in high school. You covered him extensively. He's going to get together on that end of the court especially. I, I think it makes a lot of sense for Patrick to come off the bench. Uh, I know it's it's a little bit of a different situation for him because I still think he's a very valued team leader within the program. I still think he brings a lot to the court. But I think when you look at the overall makeup of this team, I think it makes a lot of sense for him to kind of be that spark plug off the bench because we've seen him have great games. I mean, I know I'll go back to the game that Iowa lost in Buffalo for the NCAA tournament. Remember, they couldn't hit a shot, right? Patrick McCaffrey and Connor were the only reasons why Iowa was in that game. Patrick is the only guy that could hit threes. He can do those things and he's been a spark plug. He can make big plays, um, but I'm with you. I, I think he'd really great, greatly benefit from coming off. I'm very curious about two things. One, how does the crowd play a factor on Saturday when Purdue comes to town? I'm curious what the attendance is going to look like since Iowa's starting to kind of rattle some things together. Right. Number two, I think we're, we will really see some progress. How much progress Iowa has actually made over the past few weeks when you compare what they played them at Mackey versus now. I think Owen Freeman's got a lot more experience. He's played Zach Edie. Uh Big 10 teams have had success against Purdue. And, again, Nebraska thrashed them when they went to uh, Pinnacle Bank Arena. But how will Iowa's guards also stack up? I think Saturday – I'm not saying Iowa needs to win or anything like that because I think that's crazy, especially when we talk about number two team in the country but I think you want to see tangible evidence that there's been significant progress
0: here over the past three weeks or so. Yeah, I mean, that would definitely, you know, spark a lot more interest in the men's basketball program and um, this team because, you know, it was it was at a bad spot. One team was 0-3, but now you have a chance to really prove yourself against a Purdue team who is probably up there for, I mean, I know they're the number two team in the country, but there seems to be tears like, it feels like them and UConn are kind of 1A, 1B in terms of teams that could likely win the national championship, though most people signal UConn is kind of the favorite right now, considering there's not a lot of holes there, even without Donovan Klingon. But if you take Zach Eady off this Purdue team, then it's a completely different team. But Purdue has probably the most impressive resume or most impressive group of wins. In the country this year, mm-hmm. but have also pro, have also shown that they're very susceptible to, you know, potentially getting upset and potentially losing in the road. I mean, you look at the Northwestern game, Northwestern was knocking down shots and they had really good guard play. You look at the loss at Nebraska, Nebraska had seven different guys hit at least one three-pointer um, and really just took Edie out of the lane, you know, kind of opened things up down low and you know, guys on Purdue weren't hitting shots either. Like, we talk about how important Zach E D is for Purdue, but if guys like Braden Smith, Fletcher Lawyer, even Lance Jones aren't hitting shots, like, this Purdue team is very, very prone to being upset. Yeah. And Carver Hawkeye, like, depends on the matchup, depends on the team. Like, it can be a pretty friendly, like, place to shoot for road teams. But it can also be like a House of Horrors, and yep. Iowa has just you know this this is a game where I think it's like I think it's a six point spread right now on Ken Palm. Yeah, they have wow. uh, Purdue as six point six point favorites. Um, it's a little low. So I, I mean, yeah, I mean, I think it's a game where you know if you kind of stick around against Purdue and you're hitting shots, like I know I say hit shots like almost every preview, but it's <laughs> so important. Because, yeah. like, you saw it, like, it doesn't matter what kind of ball movement Iowa has offensively. Like, if they're not hitting shots, they're not winning games. Um, and with how fast they play, too. So, you got to be able to spread out Purdue. You got to be able to win that guard matchup. I'm really interested to see how Iowa kind of, you know, does with the guards. Like, do they put Josh Sticks on Fletcher Lawyer? Do they put Tony yeah, Perkins on Blaine? You know, Lance Jones, even. Like, who do they have guard Lance Jones? Like, it's just a weird it's a weird matchup a little bit for Iowa in that, in that case. But, you know, if you can limit those guys to, you know, not hit as many threes and really drag them out, take E.D. out of the lane. Um, And remember Owen Freeman, like this is a completely Owen Freeman, you know, from that, from then till now, like he didn't start a game at that point. I think his first start was the next game against Michigan. He looks like a completely different player now Yeah, getting the, and, I mean, he's gone to war with some of the best, most experienced big men in the conference. Obviously, Zach Eady is at the top. But, I mean, he outplayed Cliff o- Omarui. He outplayed yep. Rink-Mass. Like, you know, there there's things that you can look at in this matchup that make you think, okay, I think Iowa has a chance to potentially win this game or at least make it very interesting.
1: I mean, Owen Freeman would easily be on an All-Big Ten team right now. I, I wouldn't, obviously I wouldn't go first team. I mean, you're talking about the third team, you know, if he keeps averaging 16 and 10 down the stretch, I mean, you can make argument for second team. Like that's how good he's playing right now. And you know what the thing is too, Sean, they haven't exactly run offense for Owen Freeman. <coughs> like he's getting the ball in the post or he's making a backdoor cut or guards are driving and finding him. And the thing that I love about Owen Freeman, his self-awareness to his size. I know how stupid that sounds. But when's the last time Iowa's had a big just continue to dunk the basketball over the top of people and look to dunk? And that's no disrespect to Luca Garza at all, by the way. I'll make sure that's clear. But, like, Owen Freeman's dunking the ball five times a game right now, Sean. Like, I cannot remember an Iowa big that has done that. And, and again, he's a freshman. He has the, the awareness to do that. And he's using a variety of footwork. He's got some finesse. He, he uses his power wisely. And he's, you know, becoming a pretty good shot blocker, and I think that's been the most impressive thing is just he, his ability to run the floor at what six foot eleven. He's not seven feet, but he's probably about six ten, six eleven, if anything. Or he's probably six eleven, isn't he?
0: Six ten, six eleven, probably. Yeah. Yeah,
1: but he can run the floor, <clears> and he <throat> looks to do it. I'll relate to the women's team. It reminds me of Hannah Stolky. Hannah Stolky is probably the best runner in transition when I often made basket Owen Freeman's beat teams almost every single game where he's down there open for a dunk because he looks to get the ball in those spots. So I know we haven't, you know, got a chance to really dive deep in the basketball team, but I'd advise people at the end of the day, like it's a fun team to watch. And I think it's a, it's a mix of veterans. It's a lot of younger guys that are continuing to piece things together. And, you know, if Iowa ends up making the tournament, I still don't think they're going to, I would argue this is one of Fran's better coaching jobs just given all the turnover and what they've lost. They don't have a ready-made NBA player right now, Uh, but I've been, you know, if Fran finds a way to give the top half of the conference, Sean, I think you need to give Fran his props because I I think, I know I picked, I think I picked him seventh preseason. I was really feeling nervous about that about three weeks ago. I'm feeling pretty okay now about it, especially since the big 10 doesn't look as strong, but Still some things to clean up on the defensive end, but I do think the group, especially when you have Josh Dix out there, Tony Perkins, I think, has really come a long way with his defense. I think there's some things, obviously, they need to fix. But in my opinion, there's been tangible signs of growth on both ends of the floor for this team.
0: Yeah, no, definitely. And like we said, it's a big stretch coming up. I mean, you got Purdue, which potentially is pretty winnable. Then you play Maryland at home. Maryland had a tough win against Illinois the other day, Um, and a lot of people forget that they were projected to finish in the top five of this league, so that's a must win. Then you go on the road, two games that I think are pretty winnable. Michigan on the road, I mean, obviously the updog McDaniel, and then you have Indiana on the road, and Indiana's a tough place to play in Assembly Hall, but you know, it's 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 a winnable game with this Indiana squad. Then you host Ohio State. Then you go on the road to Penn State, tough place to play. Then you play Minnesota home. Then you play Maryland on the road. So they got to come out with a winning schedule or a winning record during that stretch. And, you know, then you can kind of talk more about NCAA tournament. But I think they need to go like a couple of games more above 500 yep. during that stretch to really say, okay, you're a legit bubble team, and we could see you making it. Right now it's more – they're a contender on the bubble, but they're not fully on the bubble yet.
1: I'm with you. No, I, I agree. I know there's some people – I think they're in the next next four out or something like that. They made an appearance after the last win. So I thought it was worth bringing up. But, again, I still think they have some way, like ways to go. But I think the way they've kind of responded has been impressive. So hopefully next time we do this, Sean, we'll have some more offensive coordinator news. <laughs> I think at the end of the yeah. day, uh, you know, one day. But you uh, know, for David Eichel, Sean Bach, stay tuned to hawkeyeinsider.com dot uh, com at Hawkeyes on twenty four seven at David Eichel at S two four seven and stay locked in for the latest Iowa intel and We'll talk soon.